Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. When you have a bad feeling and you feel cruddy and you feel like, I, I feel bad, I feel like I, I am carrying some weight of responsibility or some shame on my shoulders, don't try and deny it. Don't try and look the other way because the Bible, much like this passage, is trying to tell us it is there for a reason. It is about as foolish as you being told by a doctor not to worry about pain. No, you need to worry about pain. When it hurts, it's indicating something. And so it is with guilt. noticed we spend a lot of time focusing on sin, but not much on what to do after we repent. How do you deal with the baggage that comes with a guilty conscience and set aside regret and shame? Well, today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares is addressing this exact topic as he continues his series called Sexual Disasters. Once we've repented and received forgiveness, guilt and shame no longer have a place in our minds. But how do we move past it? Well, here's Pastor Mike to explain. We've added a part three to the series that we've been working on. Some of you may have been glad to see the series go, but uh, I've chosen to prolong it. That may be the wrong choice of words. Prolong sounds painful, doesn't it? Um, really, my intention isn't to prolong any pain. Actually, today, I hope it's to relieve a little bit that you may have. The response as we've been studying 2 Samuel 13 has been overwhelming. Lots of people are responding to me about the messages. And one of the things that I think is necessary based on some of the responses that I got was that we deal with what's left over. The residual feelings that come in the aftermath in the wake of sexual disasters. And it seems like so many of us look at our sexual resume and say, you know, there's some real painful memories there. Some things we've done that we're not proud of. There are things in our past that we're ashamed of. There are scars and hurts in our lives that we need to deal with in some way. And we need to know where to file these cruddy feelings. And so as I looked at the text, I realized that though 2 Samuel chapter 14 doesn't really address any of those issues, uh, certainly the Bible as a whole does. And there's lots in the Bible about how to deal with these feelings. So this morning, if we can take a little uh, parenthetical time together here, I want to go to a couple of passages, three at least, that address the issue of guilt. Because if you are normal and average, I should say, you have got something in your past that you are ashamed of. And when you think of it, you, you hurt. It's painful. Particularly in the area that we've been talking about, because there's nothing like sexual sin to create some really, really bad feelings. Some remorse that uh, doesn't go away quickly. It's the kind of memory that stings and it stays in place. And it's important for us to know what to do with those feelings, to know how to file them. And so if I could have you look at the scripture this morning, understanding that there's really two kinds of guilt. And we'll see it in our first passage in Romans chapter 2. And if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn there. And I'd like you to find the book of Romans and turn to Romans chapter 2. As you're turning there, recognize that there are two kinds of guilt. Two kinds of guilt I'm talking about deal with actual and subjective. Objective that's genuinely true when someone says you are guilty. You are guilty because you did not live up to a standard that you should have lived up to. You're wrong. And then there's the feelings that often accompany that reality. 
If you open an English dictionary and look up guilt, you'll find probably as the first two definitions, those two as a distinctive set of items. One is the reality of being wrong, and one is the feeling of feeling wrong. And in the scripture, what I'd like to deal with this morning is the feeling side of it. We need to understand it's usually connected in some way to the reality side of it. The real objective feeling, or real objective facts, being usually some way related to the subjective feelings that we have. Our passage that I want to first look at in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, comes as a parenthetical statement itself in the midst of a discussion that Paul is having about people being sinful. They don't measure up to God's standard. And the way that God tried to get people to realize that was by giving the law, through Moses, a set of rules. Not just ten, there were several, there were hundreds actually, of laws that would show people how to live. And when they didn't live up to those, they were guilty of sin. And in God's mind, they didn't measure up. Well, sometimes, as Paul says here in verse 14, there were people that didn't have the advantage of that law. They didn't sit in, in synagogues or at the temple steps and hear from the rabbis and the leaders of the people what God has to say about right and wrong. They were Gentiles, non-Jews. And the text says in verse 14, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves. What does that mean? They reflect that they really know what's right and wrong, even though they don't have the law. Now here's the real crux of it all, verse 15. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Now there's, that's a poetic way of saying that they have a sense internally in the immaterial part of who they are. They know when they do wrong because, as the next phrase says, their consciences, as we often call it, bears witness. And their thoughts, notice this, now accusing, that's the feeling of guilt, and now even defending. Perhaps I'm accused of something I didn't do and my thoughts defend me. But the feeling of my thoughts accusing, and that'd be a good phrase to underline, that's the feeling of guilt. And it usually is related to the actuality of guilt. And as my dad used to say, when you feel guilty, it's probably because you are guilty. There's a connection there between the two. And oftentimes, that's what we are dealing with when we think of sexual sin. The reason we feel bad and embarrassed about those events in our past is because God in heaven is looking at those singles are bad. And in our spirit, we feel bad when we do bad. Now, I'm not saying we don't have the experience in humanity where some people do bad and don't feel bad. That, that can happen. And they can have a conscience that's very callous. And I'm not saying that some people uh, uh, don't in reality feel bad when they didn't do bad. That happens too. Some very uh, self-conscious people sometimes fall into that. But the average experience of you and I is that when we do bad, we feel bad. When we feel guilty, it's because we are guilty. Now, when you think about that, you start to put this feeling of guilt in perspective. It's much like pain in the human body. God knew what he was doing when he designed the body to sense pain. Now, we don't like pain. I don't like backaches. I don't like headaches. But I certainly want to, wouldn't want to try to exist as a human being in this body without pain. And if you really don't, haven't ever thought that through, you need to because there are some people that are in desperate situations because they don't feel pain. There are some medical conditions in which people do not have sensation of pain in their bodies. And a variety of diseases cause this. I read this week of one gentleman who has a big scar on his leg. He suffers from a disease in which everything from his chest down is numb. His limbs all work. He just can't feel. And he's got a big scar on his leg, he says, where the heater burned into his leg as he was at his desk and he didn't even realize that his flesh was burning because he has no sensation of pain. Well, you and I, when we look at situations like that, would be quick to admit that you got to have pain because pain helps us remove our bodies from harm. 
It really is a designed feature of the great architect that designed our bodies to keep us from harming ourselves. It really is an inbuilt motivator to good health. Because when we feel bad physically, it's often because something's happening to our bodies that's going to cause some kind of bad. There's something bad going on and it causes pain. And just like some of you wives know, the guys don't seem to like to go to the doctor when they feel bad. We like to avoid the doctor. Now, this may be a thing for you ladies too, but I know that you wives get frustrated when your husband complains of some kind of ache or pain and doesn't deal with it at the doctor because you know it's not right to ignore that. You know if you have a physical pain, you ought to deal with it. It's reflecting some bad in your body and you better get it fixed. Well, our spiritual pain is quite the same way. When emotionally we feel cruddy and we don't like the feelings we're having, it usually is because there's something that needs to be dealt with. There's something wrong, something going wrong. And we need to recognize the rightful place that those bad feelings have. Because much like this passage, our thoughts need to accuse us because there's an issue in which we have stepped over the line. Now, that is in stark contrast to the world's view on guilt, regret, remorse, shame. Matter of fact, I think the world's perspective on guilt is summed up in the bumper sticker. Perhaps you've seen it. Two words, guilt sucks. Have you seen that? <laughs> I'm quoting now. I'm going to make this up. Guilt sucks. That's what the bumper sticker says. Because the attitude of our world is very much into feeling good and painlessness is that if it feels bad, it must be bad. And the world is on a constant quest to try and get this feeling out of their lives. Well, that's about as asinine and as stupid as thinking, I want to exist in a physical world where my body doesn't sense any pain. If I don't sense any pain, I don't know when I'm having problems. I don't know when there's something that needs to be corrected. If I can lean against the stove and not feel any pain, when the fire starts to burn my flesh, that's bad. I want to feel pain because I want to retract my hand from something that can cause damage to my health. And spiritually, God has designed our spirit that way. When you cross some lines of sin, it can even be in your thought life. You will feel guilty because God says that's not good for you. That will ultimately damage you. And so I'm going to inflict in your heart some bad feelings. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, here's the countercultural principle I'd like you to write down. And it kind of exalts this thing called guilt to its rightful place because our world likes to kick it down and step on it and say, you don't ever want to feel guilt. I put it this way on your outline. Number one, jot this down. Don't ignore guilt. Don't ignore it. If you want to put it in a way in which we feel it, don't ignore bad feelings. When you have a bad feeling and you feel cruddy and you feel like, I, I feel bad, I feel like I, I am carrying some weight of responsibility or some shame on my shoulders, don't try and deny it. Don't try and look the other way because the Bible, much like this passage, is trying to tell us it is there for a reason. It is about as foolish as you being told by a doctor not to worry about pain. No, you need to worry about pain. When it hurts, it's indicating something. And so it is with guilt. You feel bad. You look at an event in your life and it makes you feel ashamed. It makes you feel real, real bad inside. Well, that's because God's trying to give you some sense about the quality of that act. And he's trying to say that's a bad act. That's a bad thing. And it will be bad for you. So don't ignore guilt. Now, this, of course, if you're looking at this passage, is a universal principle. And it's true for everyone. Everyone has a conscience. And though some peoples are calloused and hardened, everyone starts out with a conscience. And God's law is written on that heart. But for Christians, it becomes even more complicated. And if you still have your Bibles there and you got the Old Testament in that Bible, turn to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. And let me show you, if you can find that book, Ezekiel chapter 36, that if you are a follower of God, it becomes even more guaranteed that in your life, you're going to have in your experience regular feelings of pain, guilt, regret. 
Because unless you live a perfect life, there is something that takes place when you become a follower of Christ. And it was anticipated in this Old Testament passage that ensures that when you do bad, you'll feel bad. And it's all for our own good. So we need to get it in perspective. But the point is, it's guaranteed. Ezekiel chapter 36. Are you there? The text says in verse 26, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart. Again, a poetic way to sum up this immaterial part of who I am. And put in you a new, what's the next word? Spirit. It's got a big S or a small S in front of it. Small, because if the translators know what they're doing, the context here is referring to who I am. I have a new spirit. I'm a new person. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says? Sunday school graduates know this, right? If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. What does that mean? I'm brand new. The old things pass away, new things come. I am, when I become a Christian, a follower of God, I become something new inside. God changes who I am. And the text says here that's what was anticipated in the coming new covenant of God that we live in, the church age now. I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you, look at the rest of this verse, your heart of stone, and it may be calloused and it may be hardened, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. You may have been insensitive to sin, but I'm going to make you really sensitive to sin because I'm going to rewire the software in your life. And that's why some of you can look at your own experience, that before you ever committed your life to Christ, you did a lot of things that didn't really give you any pang of conscience or guilt. But after you became a Christian, you tried to do those same things and then you felt cruddy, right? Am I right? That's what happens because something has changed inside of you. It's not just a creed you're signing on to. It's not just a new church attendance pattern that you have. But God has really gone inside and changed who you are, and it happens like that. And now, all of a sudden, your heart is sensitive to sin. And then when you do something that's outside the bounds of God's will for your life, something that's sinful and wrong, bam, it hurts. And it hurts because I have a new sensitivity because I'm a new person. Paul liked to call it in the book of Romans the new man. You become a new man, a new person in Christ. But then it gets even more complicated. Verse 27. Look at the next verse. And I will put my, what's the word? Spirit, a big S or a little S? Big S, right? Because the translators know here, we're not talking about our individual spirit. We're talking about God's spirit. I'll put my spirit, God's spirit in you and move you through the presence of that person in my life to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. <laughs> you think it's bad just having a real sensitized conscience to right and wrong. Try putting the Holy One of the universe inside of you. And that's what the Bible says will happen. The Spirit of God indwells you, takes up residence in your life. And that's not a spatial thing, of course. This is a relational thing. Something new happens in my relationship with God where it's like my, my person and his person are like intertwined. And it, it's really much like, uh, it's really much like uh, Walter Matthau and, and Jack Lemmon or, or uh, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. That's what it's like. It's this odd couple relationship. Because here I am, an imperfect person, struggling to try and do right, but I got God's Spirit inside of me. And, and it's me and the Holy Spirit now. And if I try to do things morally in my life, like uh, Oscar Madison used to do, right? Throw his dirty clothes in the middle of the living room, I know I'm, I'm in for trouble because I'm going to get grief. I'm going to get grief from Felix because that, that's not something you do. And when you start stepping outside the bounds of God's rules as it relates to your sexuality or any other area of your life, ethically or morally, you as a Christian, if you are a Christian, you as a Christian are going to experience pangs of guilt that will be serious, clear. They'll be definitive. You won't be able to deny them because it's God's designed way to show you this is not good. And you don't have to have an open Bible to feel it. You don't have to have years of Sunday school under your belt to get it. You just have to be a follower of Christ and your life will be punctuated by guilt. That sounds great. Let's sign up, right? 
No, it doesn't feel that good. But I'll tell you what, you really couldn't live a successful Christian life without it. Any more than you can live a successful physical life without physical pain. Because you need to know what to cater to, what to be careful to adjust, what to change, what patterns not to get yourself back into again. So don't ignore guilt. Pay attention to it. There's something in your life that's making you feel guilty. It's probably because you are guilty and that ought to lead you to some kind of analyzation of that situation and probably, most likely, it will move you to change that situation. Now, it's not just a guess. That's exactly what the scripture says. And there's a second passage on this outline that I've listed that I'd like you to turn to. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, there's no vagueness about guilt's role. Guilt's job description. Why that bad, cruddy feeling exists in my life. It exists because God's designed it to be there when we do wrong things because he wants to accomplish something specific. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul is writing about a letter that is not extant. We no longer have it. But it is a letter that he explains earlier that Titus had brought to this church. And this church was involved in some kind of sin, and it was a sin that Paul confronted with a scathing letter, it seems, that confronted their sin and caused them a lot of guilt. They felt guilt. Paul says, you're guilty, and you've done wrong, and they started feeling bad about that. And it says, if you'd look with me at 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 8, he says, if I caused you sorrow, there's guilt, there's the feeling of guilt, by my letter, he says, I, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, because I see that my letter hurt you, but only, underscore this, back to this later, more on it later, but only for a little while. Key phrase. Keep that in your mind. Yet now, he says, verse 9, I am happy, not because you were made sorry, rather, but because your sorrow led to, here's the goal, jot it down, it's a key word here, box it out, highlight it, star it, led you to what? Repentance. Led you to repentance. That's a big Bible word, but all it means is it's the word that the army commanders in Alexander the Great's army used to call out when the troops were marching in the wrong direction or when it was time for retreat. They would yell out the word metanoia, and that Greek word metanoia, translated right here, repentance, is the word that simply means turn around. You're going that way, stop it. Turn and go this way. 180 degree turnaround. You're doing this thing, now you need to stop doing that thing, and you need to start doing this thing. And the text says that those bad, yucky feelings are there to lead you to repentance. Notice how elevated this feeling really is. It says in the middle of verse 9, for you became sorrowful, note this carefully, as God intended. Do you see that? Guilt is a part of his intention in our lives. For what? Keep reading. And so you were not harmed by us in any way. Godly sorrow, he says, brings, there's our key word again, repentance. Godly sorrow, godly guilt, this feeling of bad about something I've done, it brings re repentance and that repentance leads to salvation. Now we're not talking just about the grand scheme of things, heaven and hell, this beginning initial repentance that leads to salvation. He's talking about a million lesser salvations that take place in my life. Like why I don't want to stick my finger in the fire and it hurts. I pull it out. That's repentance, right? I, I stop doing it because I don't want the damage there and it leads to the salvation of my finger in that case. And he says repentance leads to salvation and that you're saved. All the grief and all the damage and all the bad spiritual health that comes from not repenting. And then he goes on. He says, and it leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow, and there is a kind of sorrow and they can't deal with it because there's no forgiveness there. It does bring death. It brings a lot of trouble. But see what this godly sorrow has produced in you? Look at this massive words. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation. They were mad at their sin. What alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you proved yourself to be innocent in the matter. And they said, we're going to change this. And they totally turned their lives around. 
and said, we were involved in that, but no more. Forget it. We're going to be innocent now. We're going to be clean. And they marched the other direction. I used to play on the uh, church softball team. And I guess they let me play because I was the pastor. I don't know. But it seemed like every year that I played, the teams kept getting better and I kept getting worse. I know I kept getting older and I recognized that, but it just, it was a frustrating experience. And so I was, I was playing third base one day and, uh, and it was a spectacular play in my mind, at least it seemed to be this full swing bunt and this dribbling ball coming towards third. And, and I rushed this ball and I scooped it up and I tried to turn a double play. So I had a hard throw to make. And as I was making it, my cleat stuck in the dirt and folded over my foot and I broke my foot in a variety of places. It was so bad. As a matter of fact, when they put the x-ray up on the screen, I thought it was a joke that he'd taken it out of the joke file because, you know, it looked like a cartoon. My, my bones were completely going all the wrong directions. And and I, you know what happened that inning? I stopped playing. <laughs> um, I, I didn't finish the game. Now, I wanted to finish the game because I was into the game and I wanted to win the game and I wanted to contribute, but I didn't play anymore. You know why? Because I hurt. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I could hardly walk on it because I was in pain. It was something bad in my foot and I had bad feelings about it. And so I stopped playing softball that day. But there was something else that happened as a result of that. I never played softball again because I realized this seems to happen like all the time. Something goes wrong. I go home with, you know, ice packs on my shoulder and it it wasn't worth it anymore. Now I'm breaking my brittle bones and I got to stop this. It's not good for my body. So it wasn't just a bad feeling that took me out of that one incident. And I'm not trying to make a moral judgment on softball, but I'm just saying, I said, no more softball. I'm done. Forget it. And there was a kind of repentance that took me out of the whole field, the whole game. Forget it. And if you look at this verse again, this is the kind of repentance he's talking about. A repentance that changes their life orientation. It changes their direction. And though they were involved in this, they're not involved in it anymore. You're listening to Focal Point and a message called Dealing with Guilt, Regret, and Other Bad Feelings. If we're certain guilt and shame have accomplished their divine purpose in our lives, Pastor Mike Fabares encourages us to move forward, an empowering reminder for all of us. Well, if you've ever navigated a difficult season, then you know how easy it is to find yourself vulnerable to doubt, fear, and worry. In these moments, we may even ask, does God care? Has He forgotten me? Well, Pastor Mike has written a helpful book on this topic called Lifelines for Tough Times. In it, he looks to the truths found in Scripture for answers to these questions and many more. Along the way, he shares how complete trust in God can restore your confidence and hope, and how God promises to love and protect you no matter what happens. When you support Focal Point with a donation today, we'll send you a copy of Pastor Mike's book with our gratitude. Just call 888-320-5885. That's 888-320-5885. You can also give online at focalpointradio.org. If you prefer sending your gift by mail, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. We make Pastor Mike's teaching available in as many formats as we can, but none of this is possible without the generous donations of your fellow listeners. If you've given to support this ministry in the past, thank you. We appreciate you. Here's a recent message we received from one of our monthly Focal Point partners. Aaron in Alabama says, 
After discovering Focal Point on my local radio broadcast over 12 years ago, I now use the Focal Point app almost daily. I also host a men's group using the sermons and notes available through the app. I love the small library I have accumulated of good Christian books I receive monthly for being a partner. I thank God constantly for Pastor Mike's and everyone's hard work at Focal Point Ministries. Well, thanks, Aaron. To learn more about becoming a Focal Point Partner, go to focalpointradio.org. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again Tuesday as we conclude our series on sexual disasters right here on Focal Point. Hi, Pastor Mike here. God's Word promises it'll never return void. So I wonder, how is God's Word moving in your heart right now? Drop us a line. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be praying for you here. Just go to focalpointradio.org and then be sure to join us again tomorrow right here as we continue to explore the depths of Scripture. We'll see you then. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.